breakout i forgot what episode number this is but it's like three or four something like that it'll be in the notes um so yeah um it's just me today your lovely um co-captain tommy wilson is probably fishing or something whatever whatever he likes to do he's a he's an avid outdoorsman or whatever you would call him but um yeah so you're getting me and uh we're going to be talking about some heavy stuff today. Something that I've been wanting to talk about for a long time. Kind of sounds like I'm like breaking up with someone, but it's it's really not that bad. I mean, it's it's it gets pretty deep, but I think it's uh something that um a lot of people don't know about me that I think could also help them or other people. But um I wanted to start off um with thanking um Scott from Thin Line Brewing at our last episode we're coming out. That's Really awesome having him uh, um, up there and being able to uh, just chat with him for a little bit. He's kind of been on our our radar for quite a while, so he's kind of like, I guess you would say a dream guest. He's one of our dream guests, so we're pretty fortunate to have him. And uh, if I sound a little under the weather, it's because I am. I'm, it's not really my favorite time of the year with allergies starting to kick in, so you might hear me uh, cough a little bit. Um, during these episodes because I'm not as talented of a uh, editor as the captain is so but <clears throat> with that being said um, part of the um, the topic I want to talk about is uh, something that's kind of been in my life since 2009 and I'll first start off with saying that during the episode um, with Scott you guys couldn't tell. Um, I don't even think Wilson or Scott could tell. I was having a lot of anxiety. Um, I don't know what it was that weekend. Um, I would lose my train of thought a lot. Um, I would just kind of like, not wig out, but kind of, um, what's the word? I would feel really uneasy. And through the power of editing, you know, it sounded somewhat flawless. But there was a time when, I went to ask a question and I totally forgot what I was going to ask. And, you know, I felt like a little unprepared at times, you know, but I, I literally had like a list like on my phone and everything. And then, you know, I had it in my mind, but sometimes it's like my mind escapes me. I'll forget people's names sometime. And I'm like, I've seen you like every day. How could I forget your name? But this whole thing started, well, we'll, we'll go way back. Uh, when I was in high school, um, I had a lot of like anger issues. I go, I get in fights a lot and everything. And I would, um, I don't want to say I would 
I would be the one starting the fights, but I wouldn't do anything to um, talk my way out of them. It was right when the fists go up, my fists go up. There's no talking it down. And I'm one of those, I was one of those rager kids where I would just, once I start punching, I don't stop. Think of it like uh, in the movie Christmas Story when, what's his name? The Farkas, uh, the punk kid wanted to fight Ralphie and Ralphie just kept punching him. That was like me. I just kept going until someone pulled me off of him. And, you know, that's not healthy, obviously. What would happen is, is it would be like a, uh, I would have a lot of built up anger and my wife calls it like a bitter backpack, if you will. Like I store up all this stuff, you know, I'll deal with it later. I'll deal with it later. And then all of a sudden it just explodes out and I didn't know how to process that. So during that time, um, in high school, I believe it was my senior year. I was one of the lucky kids. Actually, that might've been my junior year. I think my senior year I, I rode with friends at school, but uh, I was one of the older kids that had the unfortunate um, time of riding the bus um, with all the underclassmen. So I was kind of teased a little bit in that aspect. That didn't really bother me. Um, but when I got to school, it got like a little bit worse. And one day I got in a fight with a kid on the bus. I know, totally like like 80s. I'm just totally picture like, something like like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, like the school bus and all that. But I got in a fight. No big deal. Typical fight. I, I got suspended a few times. Except for this one was a little bit different. I had a sheriff show up the next day at school and call me down to the office. At which point, he asked me a bunch of questions. Do I know the difference between right and wrong? And I go, yes. And I explained to him what was right and what was wrong. Um, and then... Uh, Pretty much the boy's parents were wanting to press charges against me. And I was like, whoa, like, this is like, this is really happening. So the deputy read me my Miranda rights, which I immediately started crying. You know, I'm like, oh my gosh, my mama's going to be so mad at me. And she was, she had to come pick me up from school. Um, never got put in handcuffs, never got booked, but I had to go to a scared straight program, which turned out to be, um, at the time, I was like, you know, like this, this sucks, you know, and uh, it, I, I can't believe I'm having to do this. And then looking back now, I'm like, man, I think every kid should have to at least go through what I went through to get a reality check of what really happens inside of a jail. And we'll get to that later, um, how this whole thing Tarantino's itself around. Um, but basically, I, you know, I, I it's it worked. It scared me straight. So throughout the years after that, um, you know, I, I would still have like arguments with my friends and everything, but nothing really bad with anxiety, you know, or at least I thought. And then 2000, uh, let's see, 2009 came and I was working for a company where I would be uh, traveling all across the United States to different um, food manufacturing plants and fixing their machines. Um, which these machines are worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. Every minute that the machine is down, the company loses like $10,000 every minute. So it was a very important job because I'm talking big time uh, food manufacturers that you buy in everyday grocery stores and they pay good money to have these machines working. But I started feeling a little weird. I started feeling a lot of anxiety. 
um, because I'd be by myself. And that was the weird thing. That was the one common thing that I noticed about me was um, every time I was by myself, I would start having these um, not um, not suicidal thoughts. I never had that, but it was more like um, uneasy, dreadful, um, curl up in a ball, nobody um, understands me type feeling. So I'd be in Yuma, Arizona after working literally 21 hour days and I would, and this is like in 2009. So I'm like curled up in a ball crying. Like I'm an adult, you know, I'm a married man with a kid and I don't know what's wrong with me and it's weirded me out. And I, and I've been by myself many times, you know, like I I've gone out and I've toured before with my bands and, but then again, I always had someone with me. I had other bandmates, people I could talk to. So that was just, it was really, really weird. And then I would come home and the company I worked for had a warehouse here in Sacramento and I would go and, and work at the warehouse and I would still have the feeling. It's like the feeling of dread. I'm like, why isn't this feeling going away? I don't get it. And it's really freaking me out. So I remember one day I was uh, at work and there was uh, my computer desk. And I remember just uh, going underneath the desk. And I was the only person that worked that I was working that day in this big warehouse. And I just remember going underneath the desk and just bawling my eyes out. And I, I'm like I said, I don't know what the trigger was. I don't even really know what the trigger is, trigger is to this day. It just came on. And... So I ended up taking like some time off, um, you know, go to the doctor, get myself better, ended up getting put on some uh, medication for it. Worked a little bit, but the stuff that I like needed to go on was the, the hardcore stuff because um, it was that bad. So what I didn't realize I was having was I was having actual panic attacks and literally felt like I was dying and it scared me to death. And those do still scare me because anytime I feel an anxiety, I start like, like, can this end up becoming a panic attack? Like I start worrying about that. Then it kind of just snowballs from there. But what, um, like I said, I, I was at that job for a little bit. Then I ended up just quitting because that was actually a toxic environment to begin with. Um, won't go into that. But um, then I ended up uh, working a few other jobs. Then was around that time, I was like, you know what? Uh, I just thought it was like a one-time thing. I'm going to try to get into law enforcement. So, um, during this whole time, you know, I was, you know, I told my parents, I said, Hey, I'm going to try and, uh, you know, become a cop. And they're like, Oh, that's great. We support you in that. It's a dangerous job, but you know, we'll support you. And my parents would support me in anything that that's kind of, uh, one of the blessings that I have is I could have said, Hey, I want to be a chef. And they would have been just as supportive with me. And so they're like, Oh, that's great. So, we have um, me, you know, working a normal job, trying to get into law enforcement. Uh, and then I'm not sure how many of you people have ever tried to apply for a law enforcement agency. It takes a while. Uh, you could be in the hiring process for a year. Um, it's not like you put an app in and like you start the next week. Um, I got denied. <clears throat> I maybe did a total of like 15 applications Eight of those actually went to um, uh, full-on interviews. Um, I got a lot of denials, and that means a lot of, uh, you know, failure. You feel maybe you're not cut out for this. 
Now, I I kind of always been interested in it. I've always wanted to do it. And so I'm like, man, this, why isn't this working? You know, like I, I really want to do this and I've been good. I mean, it's, I mean, I've been honest. I've never done drugs and that's, that's the one thing about me that's kind of weird is like, I'm, I'm naturally kind of a crazy dude, you know, and people are like, man, this guy's kind of nuts. I've never done anything. I mean, I've, I've drank alcohol, but I've never smoked anything, done anything. And I'm kind of proud of that. So when you're doing your, um, your voice stress test for an interview with a police department, it's kind of, uh, you know, whenever they ask that question, it's like, they always have to ask it again. Like, is he lying? Cause it, it's very rare and it's something I'm kind of proud of, but, uh, so I get denials, 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 and I'm like, man, this just sucks, you know? And then I am like, well, you know what? This isn't working out while I'm doing this. I'm going to get in security. And I'm doing security, and I told you on the first, I think it was the first break episode, my security stories, and I liked it, just does not pay good. And people, you know, they crap all over security guards. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say I've never given a security guard a hard time before, because sometimes those guys, they think they're cops. And I'm like, dude, I'm literally walking to my car right now. Leave me alone. I'm not doing anything wrong. So, but uh, we go from that, and then I end up getting a job. Um, you know, doing the, the whole money truck thing, Loomis, which was to this day, probably the funnest job I've ever had. Um, I met Wilson there, met a lot of good lifelong friends there. Job was actually easy. Um, wasn't really stressful except for just a few times where I had some knuckleheads sit there and try to, um, uh, you know, taunt me and stuff. But for the most part, you know, it wasn't that stressed. I was more stressed out by the fact that um, we weren't getting paid that good. And I felt like we should got paid more because <clears throat> the morale of the place went down pretty fast. But um, during this whole time, I wasn't having any anxiety issues. Um, I wasn't even on my meds anymore. I was like, I'm good. I'm doing good. I'm fine. Then, um, then I end up uh, getting a job with a um, a sheriff's department as a correction officer. And this is when it starts to actually, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is about right. So, um, I get the job and I'm super excited. Finally, I made it. Um, wasn't the quote unquote job I wanted, you know, I wanted to be on patrol, but I'm like, you know what? This is a good stepping stone. Who knows? I may end up liking this here. It's a very important part of law enforcement. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. So I, um, tell everyone, you know, Hey, I got the job, you know, the, I, I, I succeeded, you know, I failed, I succeeded, I failed, you know, but, but, you know, I failed so many times, but I made it, you know, perseverance. Yeah. You know, rah, rah, rah. I was all excited. And I remember, <clears throat> uh, when I, I remember where I was when I got the call saying I got it and I was, um, in the back of the armored truck and I get the call and I see that it's the detective who did my uh, background and I'm like, this is it. This is the yes or no. And I've already had the meeting with the sheriff and everything. Cause it, I'm telling you, it is a process and it's nerve wracking. And he <clears throat> kind of toyed with me a little bit and he said, you know, Oh man, I got some news for you. I'm like, what, <laughs> what is it? And he goes, I want to welcome you. I'm like, oh my gosh, are you serious? And the first thing that went to my mind is I'm all, I can't wait to tell my dad. And during this time, 
my parents lived in Oklahoma. And I realized that um, at that moment, like, like, this is it. This is my dad's gonna be so proud of me. And um, sorry. So I may be taking some breaks here and there um, to, to kind of gather myself. Um, trying to make, there's a dog barking outside. I'm trying to record. So disrespectful. Um, I want to make this as real as possible. So I might get teary eyed. My voice might crack. Um, but I might need to take some breaks. And so I'll just edit that out and everything. But um, my whole life, and even, even when my daughter was um, really little, and even now, I've always noticed the thing about kids. It's always, I mean, I was one of those kids. I mean, I remember my family would always take um, home videos and it, I always wanted to be like, look at me, look at me. Not so much a spotlight, but I've always wanted to be like, look how high I could jump. And my parents, wow, that's high, you know, like, and all that stuff. So I was one of those um, approval kids, I guess you would say. Like, I, I always wanted um, validation that I was doing something good. And the funny thing was, is my whole life, I always felt like I wasn't, I, I wasn't living to my full potential because I didn't graduate high school when I was supposed to. I, I actually got kicked out technically um, from my high school. Um, I was, I did go to grad night. Um, I didn't walk the aisle um, at my high school's graduation. I actually played the graduation song because I was in band. I played the graduation song for my graduating class and so it you know from that point I kind of felt like man like I'm such a loser you know and so I kind of all when I was more of an adult I was looking for that approval and when uh, I got that I'm like this is it this is the this is the thing that's gonna uh, set me apart from all of that and I remember my dad was just like super super happy and I hear my mom in the background of the phone like yeah you know it was awesome so I did it um, you know, did uh, a little bit of, uh, you know, my, my training and everything. And I was working in one jail and the way that this jail, worked, I don't want to give away where I worked. It's, it's, there's no bad feeling, no hard feelings whatsoever, which will get explained here in a little bit. Um, but I don't want to give away where I was at, but you work at one jail and then you do like a little bit of a stint there. Then you got to go to another jail, which is kind of far away from my house. Um, and then you're up there for however long because no one wants to be at that jail because, you know, it's, you know, far away from everywhere where most people live. So I'm like, oh, whatever. Okay, I'll do it. And meanwhile, I'm still on this high. Like, I can't believe I, I finally got it. You know, I'm doing good. Family's proud of me. And also during that whole time beforehand, we weren't living, my, my wife and I and my daughter, we weren't living on our own. We were living with my in-laws, which I'm forever grateful for them allowing us to do because originally I thought I had it in the bag with CHP. I thought I was going to go to the CHP Academy. So we banked on that happening and we had a newborn baby at that time. So I said, Hey, uh, how about you and my daughter? You know, I was telling my wife that move in with your parents and I'll be living at the Academy. Once I graduate, we'll get a house. Yeah. That was my first, uh, attempt at, um, applying, for law enforcement and I realized, wow, uh, you're probably never going to get your first shot. And so at that point we were kind of stuck living there for, um, a long time until at least 2013. And so here I am, we, we move into apartments where we're still at now. 
um, we love where we live. And, you know, I was like, let's move to these apartments. Um, it, it'll be great. You know, and, and we were so happy. It was like a, a new, uh, it was like a new relationship. Everything was new, new job, not even new job, new career. Uh, we're finally on our own again. It's like we're our family again. Um, it was great. And I got sent up to the other jail and um, things started taking a turn um, because um, my anxiety came back and I couldn't uh, pinpoint on what it was. I'm like, why is it, is it coming back? Like, what is this? So the way that the jail works is I could either work there because it's 12 hour shifts. I could work for 12 hours and drive home. Well, home is two hours away. All right. So that's 14 hours. I get a few hours sleep, drive back up the following morning. That's two more hours out of my day. And I'm just exhausted. Or I could just stay in a hotel while well, I'm up there for a few days and, you know, just travel five minutes to work every day. Well, see, that's my issue because working 12 hours with a bunch of um, knuckleheads, um, you know, drugs of society, murderers, child molesters, um, druggies, prostitutes, all of them, you name it, they're there. And then, all right, later, everybody, I'm going to go back to my hotel room by myself. It, it, it's a toxic environment. At least it was for me. Some people could do it. I, I just, I don't think I was built for it. Um, so I started seeing, um, my, it wasn't just me that saw it too. My, my JTO, which is a jail training officer also saw it that my, um, uh, I guess not my attention, but my, uh, um, awareness was like diminishing big time. So we did this scenario and, and when you work in law enforcement, they do a lot different scenarios. Like what would you do during this? And sometimes they'll even like do like a, a scenario on you and not even tell you it's a scenario. So for instance, um, they said, Hey, go check this holding cell. I'm like, I went in there and then I found like a, it was like a cardboard cutout of like a fake knife. And I go, what the heck is this? And I bring it back to them. I'm like, hey, I found this. And they go, good. You, you, you saw that. That was good. You know, they're just making sure I'm seeing these things. Well, uh, I remember the thing that kind of broke me um, when I started realizing I had a problem. Because I'm not going to lie. I was trying to just do what I could do. Because here I have this cool job. I'm a fa I don't want to fail. There was a lot riding on my shoulders at that time. So I remember... Um, they said, hey, we're going to do a round of uh, checks in the infirmary, which is where they keep all the inmates that are um, sick or need medical attention and basically be close to the nurse's office. So I'm like, all right. And so I go to the first holding cell. And I go, yep. And we go to the second one. And, he, and then my JTO goes, you didn't see anything weird in that cell? I go, no. What? And I, I'm looking through the window and I go, I'm like just peeking through the window. I'm all, I don't see anything. He goes, you don't see all that stuff on the window you're looking through? I'm like, oh. And he's like, yeah. And then I'm like, and I go to grab my radio. And he goes, no, 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 no. And he goes, don't call it out. He goes, this is a scenario. He goes, and he looked a little shocked. He's like, which you totally didn't pass. And he goes, he goes, everything's fine, but let's go in the cell and let's look. I go, all right. So what they did was when I was, um, doing something else, they set the cell up because this one inmate was, I think, either at court or visitation or something. Um, they rubbed, like, ketchup all over the window to make it look like blood. 
and they put ketchup everywhere to make it look like he committed suicide inside the cell. And they bunched up his blankets to make it look like there was a body there. And they had like, uh, like razor blades strewn about and everything. And I, I just, I, I completely failed that test. And I just, my eyes just well up with water. And I'm like, how the heck did I miss that? Like that. And then granted my JTO was great. He's like, Hey man, he was like, you know, he goes, it happens. People fail these. He goes, granted, that was a pretty big one to fail. And I knew it. I'm like, man, yeah, I, I get it, man. I'm like, I'm sorry. And so, um, at that moment I was like, you know what? I, I think I need to go see a doctor about something. And so I, 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 you know, talked to my sergeant. I said, Hey, I, 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 I love working here. I, I want to, just, I just, I, I think I need to take a day and I mind you, I'm still in probation. So this is not good for me. And he's like, yeah, just, just take care of yourself and let me know what's up. Am I all right? So go to the doctor and everything. And I'm just like more of a therapist than anything. And he basically says, Hey, you're, uh, you're wigging out basically. Like you need to go on some meds. Like, and so I was on, uh, um, some pretty hardcore meds. And then I was put on like a leave of absence, which is not even good for when you're in uh probation period. So I, I, I did what I was supposed to do. I contacted them, kept in contact with them. Then eventually I got a contact from, I think one of the captains and they essentially, they released me from a probation. It's, you know, they told me I'm not blacklisted from ever applying there. They said, but like right now, you know, take care of yourself basically. So I'm like, and I remember getting that phone call, uh, from, uh, that, that captain. And I was in the living room cause I was still off of work and I got the call. And I just stared at the wall. I'm like, how am I going to tell my wife that I just lost my job? And it's been, I've, it's the job that I applied for, for so many years that I wanted so bad. Basically, how do I tell my wife I'm a failure? That's the way I took it. So she was still asleep cause I was used to waking up early and I come in here and I wake her up and I go, Hey, uh, I got a call from the jail and they let me go. And she's just like, are you serious? I go, yeah. She's like, oh, honey. And she like, give me a hug. And totally not what I was expecting. I was, I was expecting to be like, oh my gosh. Like, you know, in my mind, naturally we think of the worst case scenario. And, and, and she's been great. Like she's super supportive in it. And that right there, that was like a dagger through the heart. Cause I'm like, wow, uh, that sucks for me. Um, because, uh, yeah. It's like my dreams are just crushed right now. So I, um, I called Wilson. I think Wilson was one of the first people I called after my wife and told her. And he's like, well, you left on good terms here at Loomis. Maybe I, you could get your job back. I'm like, let's do it. And so Wilson essentially was my saving grace and was able to talk to the management there. And I got my job back, which was awesome. And so, but I, during, I stayed on my medication during that time uh, with my anxiety. Uh, for quite a while and no one and the funny thing is is no one ever said Tommy you're a failure no one ever said that but it was my um my mind my brain that kept saying that and I'm like no one is even thinking that everyone's yeah everyone's probably pretty bummed about it but no one is saying oh man that sucks to be you you know I look back now I'm like man everybody was so supportive of me I'm like if you could like go back and be a fly on a wall and see how you handled things then it's a it's it's a lot different so I ended up getting, uh, another job, uh, after Loomis. I, it was the same stuff at Loomis. So 
that was more or less just more, uh, just a stepping stone to get back working again because I did not like being unemployed, you know, living off that, uh, that little EBT card, I think was embarrassing for me because, you know, my, my dad raised me up to take care of your family. And every time I swiped that EBT card, I was like, <laughs> that's not me taking care of my family. That's the state taking care of my family, you know? So I'm like, I got to get, I, I was embarrassed to like swipe it. So I got my job back, was there for about a year and a half or so. Then I got another job, um, at Frito-Lay where, which was probably one of the better paying jobs I ever had, but, uh, stress was like immense because there was a lot of pressure on those guys met a lot of great people there. People I still talk to all the time. Um, my buddies, Matt, Mike, um, all of them just dudes that like, will listen to me while I'm caught when I'm talking and just let me talk and be like, at the very end to be like, yep, that sucks, <laughs> you know, or just, just an ear to hear. And so it was every job I've ever had. I've had, uh, you know, good people, you know, which is awesome. So, and then, then this is where it starts getting brutal for me. And this is where I'm probably going to have to do a lot of editing. Uh, the worst three months of my entire life, um, happened when I was at my, uh, lowest, most vulnerable and anxious period of my life. And it was one of those, uh, like, man, like, how are you even still here? Cause you got dealt some bad cards. So in 2015, I want to say in October, uh, every, I mean, everything was going fairly good up to that point. And I remember my wife, she just started getting a little sick. We, we don't even know we, to this day, we don't even know what happened, like what the deal was. She just got really sick, really weak, throwing up. We just didn't know. And so I remember going to one of my stores and I'm, I'm like, you know, like just clocked in basically. And my wife calls me, she goes, I, I am not feeling well. So I'm like, well, then I'm coming home. So I come home and then I call my boss and say, Hey, my wife's not doing good. I got to get her to the hospital. And then this particular boss I had at the time, you know, really couldn't care less. You know, she's just like, well, who's going to run your route? I'm like, you know what? I don't really care who's going to run my route because my wife means more to me than, you know, chips. So, uh, my wife got put on uh, disability for a while. Then I had to be her caregiver. So I was essentially on disability as well in a way. So I was still receiving somewhat of a check because uh, I had to take care of her because she couldn't do anything. And it was the weirdest thing is we still don't know what it was. It's just the weirdest thing. So towards the end of, uh, uh, and oh, we're also homeschooling our kid. So that's another reason why, because I'm going to have to take care of the ki our, our kid. I got a teacher and everything as well as take care of my wife. So, that ends and we're my, I'm about ready to go back to work. My wife's starting to get better. Still don't know what the heck happened. Maybe it was coronavirus. I don't know. Um, and so we're doing a field trip at, at the Preston Castle up in Ione. And I'm not sure if you've ever been there. It's it's a cool place, but um, it, it's pretty dangerous. <laughs> but what's funny is we were talking about the whole castle and how dangerous it is because it's old. And then we get to, uh, at, we go through the whole tour. Everything's fine. Me and my wife, she, she's, you know, very cautious of where she walks. Everything's good. Mind you, I was set to go back to work in like, I think the next day or in two days from then. Cause you know, my wife could take care of herself now. 
And I'm taking a picture of the castle with my daughter standing in front of it. All of a sudden I hear this thud and this loud scream. And then I'm like, I look, I'm like, who the heck was that? And I look over and I see my wife like kind of like underneath. I see her underneath my car kind of, but it's, it didn't run her over. But like, I guess to see her on, from the other side of the car. So I ran over there and I just, this, there was like gravel and she basically broke her leg. So I'm like, oh my gosh. And so I had to like drive her to, you know, Jackson to get to the ER and everything. And so then I'm like, had to call my boss and said, hey, uh, wife broke her leg. I'm going to have to extend my leave of absence. I'm sorry. And so they're all, you know what, take at this time, I had no more con- uh, contact with my boss. I went through HR, which was way better because they just, you know, wanted to, you know, they, they knew that everything was going to be okay. Or they want to make sure everything was okay for me. So I, uh, you know, I get my, uh, what do you call it? Caregiver status back again. And we live upstairs. And so my wife, you know, she needs help getting upstairs, uh, getting help doing a lot of things. And you break your leg. I mean, I, I'm not going to have her, if she wants to go get a glass of water, get up and get it herself. I got to get up and get it for her, you know, and stuff like that. So I'm like, all right, well, we'll do this. So we, we made, we managed through that. She had surgery that all went well. Then, okay, cool. She's about ready to get her cast off. You know, she, she's able to, I think now she was in one of those boots, so everything was, you know, she's actually trying to put more pressure on it a little bit, which after a month doesn't seem like a whole lot, but she had one of those like little cool knee scooters, um, which I may or may not have rode around on my own because those things are awesome. Um, but I was set to go back to uh, work again, and then it was, uh can't remember the exact date, it was December... I want to say like 14th or 15th is when I got the call uh, from my mom that my dad wasn't doing too well. And so I'm like, oh man, I hope he feels better. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm like thinking that he, uh, you know, may have had a heart attack. And so I'm like, oh, you know, really? I'm like, what happened? She told me the whole scenario. I'm like, oh man, that's crazy. She goes, yeah, they're taken to the hospital right now. And then I, I believe I got another phone call saying that now they're ambulancing him to Oklahoma City because the hospital they took him to either didn't have enough room or or something or they didn't have the special equipment for him. And so I'm like, oh, okay, do I need to fly out there? And mind you, I'm on a very limited income at this point because I've been on, uh, what's it called, you know, the caregiver status. So we're pinching pennies here. I mean, we, 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 we went to the food bank and everything. I mean, we were making it happen, which is very humbling. And also mind you still trying to manage my anxiety through this whole thing. Cause I'm, um, on my meds. And so I'm having to be the strong person here. So, uh, it, you know, he's in the hospital for a day. I remember I got to talk to him. It was actually one of the last conversations I got to have with him when he was in the hospital. And I'm like, all right, man, you got to take care of yourself. He's like, I know, man, I know. You know, if, if you guys knew my dad, he is like the funniest guy ever. Um, and so I, uh, my mom calls me and says, yeah, you guys should probably come out. And immediately then I knew like, okay, this is not good. This is, uh, this is, uh, I got to prepare myself for the worst here. And so I called my little sister and I said, hey, uh, what do you think? I'm all, I, I was on the computer. I was like looking up like mileage, 
how much money it would cost us to drive there, what, how long it would take us to get there. You know, if we just nonstop drive and we, cause I have two sisters and both of us, uh, you know, we, all three of us just take turns driving. How soon can we get out there? And so then I got desperate. I was just like, you know, at my wits end, I'm like, I can't be dealing with this now. Like, like I have my wife who is sick, just broke her leg. And, and then now my dad, I'm like, how am I going to, um, how am I going to juggle this with myself? Because as a man, a lot of the time we don't like to think of, we don't like to take care of ourselves. It's like the whole airplane thing when they say, um, put your mask on you before you put it on someone else first. Um, this was me um, doing the opposite. I was trying to take care of everyone else but myself. So inside um, I was breaking and didn't know it yet. My, my, my breaking point wouldn't happen until a few uh, months later. And so I, uh, you know, I just humbled myself and I went online on Facebook and I said, does anybody have any uh, frequent flyer miles? They would be willing to uh, uh, loan us, loan me, or I said something like that, or have any hookups with airplane uh, airlines. I need to get to Oklahoma like now. And my sister, I believe she already took off. She already flew down there. And so I'm trying to get there myself. And my aunt from Alaska says, how many tickets do you need? And I said, I just, just one round trip. And she goes, what, when do you need to leave? I'm all, I need to leave like now. And I don't know when I'm coming back yet. And she goes, okay. She goes, uh, I'll, I'm, we're going to basically give you, uh, our, our flyer miles. And I'm like, just, oh my gosh, are you serious? She goes, yeah, I'm like, that's great. So I needed to talk to her. Figured out everything, the flights and all that. And then I remember when I was in, like I was alone in, uh, sorry. When I was alone at the jail and just, you know, being lonely and how I felt, I started feeling that again when I was up in the air, in the airplane by myself flying to Oklahoma. And I remember calling um, my HR rep at Frito when I landed in LA. And I said, hey, sorry to do this to you another time. I had to extend out um, my leave, but this isn't for caregiving. This is uh, more than likely gonna be bereavement. Said, uh, my dad's in the hospital in Oklahoma and I need to go back there and be with my family. And once again, they're like, you know what? Take care of yourself, you know, this is, uh, this is why we have these leave of absences, you know, for, for these situations and w which was quite frankly, made me feel a lot better that I had, um, that understanding from them that, you know, I, I wasn't, I, I've kind of felt that a little bit at the jail when I had stuff going on, but I understood I was in, um, uh, a very important job. Uh, that needed people there that were dedicated and um, okay to actually work. And they needed people to fill fill those spots because um, they can't just be like, all right, well, you're working three shifts, you know, Jones. And they, they need people there that could do their job. And it's a very dangerous job. So I, I, I understood all that. Now, um, so uh, we, we basically... We land, and I'm not going to go into too many details because they're, they're, those are pretty personal, and I kind of want to keep personal uh, with everything. Um, but I do remember 
Uh, one thing I can share is uh, when we found out that my dad wasn't going to make it, uh, I lost it. <laughs> I lost it really bad. Um, and I, I just, I, I, it's, it was funny as it, it seems like it was yesterday. Cause I can remember literally everything. I remember when I found out I couldn't get a hold of, uh, Wilson. Um, I think he might've been working or I couldn't get a hold of him. So I contacted his sister-in-law through Facebook because I posted something on there and I said, Hey, can you let Wilson know? And she goes, yes. And so I like within like, I don't know if she has like a magic backline phone number to him or whatnot, but uh, within a few minutes, he was calling me and he's like, he's just like listening. And, and, and during that time, it was like, man, I'm like the number one dude in my life is like leaving this world. And it literally felt like my um, world was just crumbling. And, um, I still needed that validation. Like I, like I still needed it. I was like, man, like really like the one person in life that I want to validate me is not going to be here anymore. Which the funny thing is, is like I said before, not once in his life did he ever say he wasn't proud of me or anything like that. It was more, Hey, uh, I'm so proud of you. Good job. Great job. And I'll get like, those memory uh, Facebook posts, the, uh, what do you call it? The, this day in history or whatever. And it'll say something like, you know, it'll, it'll be something like, he'll be like, Hey, proud of you. But I don't know why. Maybe it's just like, maybe it's just one of those things where I'm like, Hey, I need to hear it. You know, but the funny thing is, is I always did hear it. Maybe I didn't believe him. I don't know. But during that moment, uh, I remember just uh, kind of being at peace with it. And we, we were all able to be around him when he when he passed, which was, in my mind, a lot more peaceful than I thought. I, I was expecting the movies because uh, I love movies. And it was nothing like that. It was super peaceful. And I was at peace with it. At the same time, I'm like, hey, you need to take care of your sisters and your mom. Don't be selfish. Don't take care of yourself. Yeah, I cried, but it was like, what the weird thing is, is like, uh, it was my, 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 uh, emotions were stunted, I guess you would say, cause I was on medication. So all of those, uh, feelings that I should have been, um, expressing were, uh, capped out at a certain level. So I had some emotion, but I, I didn't, I couldn't let it all out. And so I'm like, man, this just sucks, you know? Um, and so my mom and I, we filed the paperwork and everything. Uh, cause my dad was a vet. So he, um, uh, got military honors and everything. So, uh, we had to go, we were at the VA. And so we had to get like the flag and all that prepare for the funeral out here in California. And then we had to drive four hours back to where they live in Oklahoma. And I remember, I think I might've went through. Uh, I don't know, maybe four or five rock stars during that time, uh, because I needed, I was awake for over 24 hours and I needed to drive back and I got some good sleep. I mean, it was the kind of sleep that you get when, um, remember when you're a kid and you get in trouble by your parents and you like cry and you cry yourself to sleep. That's like the best sleep you'll ever get. It was like that. Cause I was like done crying. 
well, me, I was, uh, you know, chosen as the lucky person to, uh, handle all my dad's affairs. And he even, we did this all when he was still alive and well, that he, we had it all set up, ready to go, you know, and I said, I'd take care of it. And I did. Um, so like not the next, well, I think it was the next day, but I had to do a memorial out in Oklahoma. So I'm like sitting there thinking, man, I gotta, I want to do a slideshow. So I'm like, Hey mom, can I go into the computer room and use the computer and, uh, get some pictures and stuff. And I'm going to make like a slideshow and put it on a flash drive and have it put up on the church screen or whatever. And, uh, I got to come up with something to say, which there's a lot to say about my dad. I, I, I could go on for days about him, but, uh, the funny thing was, is when I went into the room, it's almost like, uh, when, how do I say it? It's like when I have an issue with something, you know, how I, I mean, all you guys that are parents, you always know when your kid's having a bad time and you, you're like, Hey, they're not doing good. And you, you already know what the problem is. Um, it's kind of like he knew because when I sat down at his computer, all around his computer were, um, like, um, pictures of us, grandkids, uh, drumsticks that I had from my concerts that I autographed for him. Yeah. That's clearly an edit right there. <laughs> I had to take a extended break for that one, but yeah, he had, uh, my graduation tassel. Cause like I said, I didn't graduate when I was supposed to, but I went back to night school and I graduated. He still had my tassel there. He had all that. And it was at that moment I was like, Oh, it's like a reality check. Well, he was proud of me. He was, uh, all that stuff. And in a way it was like, like you need to stop. Like you need to basically get over yourself and realize that, you know, he is proud of you no matter what. And, I wish I thought that way when he was still here, but that's something that I kind of took away from the whole thing because I'm like, now I tell my daughter all the time, how proud I'm of her. I, how proud of her I am. And like I said, my dad always did that, but the only way to do that is when you express it and he did, but I don't know why I couldn't just accept his word for it. And so that hit me like a ton of bricks right there. And all while still battling my own anxiety, not taking care of myself. Um, the uh, memorial uh, out in Oklahoma went great. The funeral went great, uh, which sounds kind of funny to say. And the, the our celebration of life was was good. It was great. You know, the whole thing. It was my dad like would have loved it. Now, uh, the the time when uh everything finally hit me was uh i was work i was still working at frito i came back from uh you know my leave you know and everyone kind of just you know said they were sorry to hear about everything and i thought it was a good idea to uh stop taking my meds um because uh, I wanted to feel normal again because I, I truly felt like I'm, I, <laughs> what's funny is I was crying about it, but it, I felt like I should have been crying more um, because I, I helped everyone else process through everything, but I didn't process it myself. So 
uh, I didn't really know how to do that. I assume you just stop taking them. And that's like the worst thing you could do is just stop taking them. And I stopped cold turkey. I felt a little funny for a few days. Like, oh, you know, I feel a little agitated, but maybe that's just, you know, I got to work with it. I got to work with it. So I'm there in the back of my, my, my Frito truck. It's 4.30 in the morning and I come unhinged. I lose it. I start punching the inside of the truck, uh, screaming. Um, it's like all those emotions that I should have let out finally caught up to me. And that's when I called my boss and said, I'm going to the doctor. I got to figure this out. And that's when I got onto a plan to, uh, you know, get back on the meds. You got to get back on, but then we're going to work with you. And then when we think the time is right, we're going to wean you off and you're going to be, uh, you're going to be better. Um, cause I want I truly wanted to, uh, feel normal because if anybody that deals with anxiety or, um, panic attacks, um, anything like that, or just any sort of mental issue, you, th those drugs are meant to, uh, you know, I don't want to say meant, but they change your personality. They really do. And I felt like I wasn't the same person who I was. So I was able to get off those. Uh, and I haven't taken them since, thank God. Um, which brings me back to uh, last Sunday when we had Scott up there. It, it, it's amazing how we could go through life um, and go through all these obstacles and anxiety um, just things that like cripple us and we, um, at the time we think it's the end of the world. Cause I truly thought it was the end of the world for me. And, uh, it's not, it, you just learn to process through it. And that's what, that's the one thing that someone said to me, uh, cause it was funny cause when my dad passed away, I, I reached out to two of my friends who both lost one of the, they each both lost a parent and I reached out to them and they walked me through it. And it's what's weird is it seems like ever since I lost my dad, I've had friends that have lost family members who, who are about my age, who've never lost anybody. And they go, how do you get over it? I go, dude, you don't ever get over it. Uh, I'm like, you learn to process it. And that's the thing. I mean, I still cry about it. I mean, heck I just did on this, on this podcast. I'm, I'm you know, I opened myself up to be vulnerable in front of people because it's okay. There's this stigma that, Oh, you gotta be macho. No, you could, I mean, you know, you could let your guard down, you know, let it out. You know, everybody has a breaking point. And I think um, I finally was able to reach mine, which honestly, when it hit, it felt fantastic. Um, and and so when, when some people, you know, I, I, I'm mainly speaking to the people right now who are who have anxiety who have depression, who have whatever, and they think that there's no hope for them. Man, I had three of the worst months in my life, and I'm still here. <laughs> I'm like, it, like, it, there is hope for you. It, it'll happen. You, uh, it just takes time. And I know it's cliche to say time's a healer, but it really, really is. And then, um, I, <laughs> the funny thing is, I finally was at peace with the whole, uh, um, what do you call it? Um, you know, working at the jail thing, uh, because I felt like a failure for, so from 2000, when did I start that 2013 
till 2019, I want to say October 2019, I still felt like a failure. And the funny thing is, is I kept telling my wife, hey, I feel like a failure. And she's like, no, you're not. No, you're not. That that same, that mirrors my validation for like, hey, are you proud of me? Yeah, I keep telling you I'm proud of you. Yeah, I keep telling you. And I, it's like the same exact thing. I was looking for that validation. And so I had an opportunity to uh, go and speak to the sheriff whose agency I worked under. And he fully on remembered me. Um, and he asked me how I was doing. And he knew exactly what my situation was. And he's basically like, uh, yeah, like, like take care of yourself, man. Like you look good. You know, like you look, <laughs> they were concerned about me. And the funny thing is, is, um, even the guy that actually called me to let me go, uh, walked up to me, put his hand on my shoulder and he goes, how are you doing? He knew exactly who I was. I was at that, uh, agency for maybe, I want to say two, two and a half, three months, maybe. So in that two and a half, three months or whatever, I made an impact to where people remember me. And uh, it was like closure for me. And so after I talked to the sheriff, I was, it was like, you know what? That's a chapter in my life that I could close. We're good. I just remember I walked up to Wilson. I just started like crying on him. He didn't know what to do. He's like, man, you're a girl. You're a girl. Stop crying. You know, he, he never cries. But uh, he always teases me, but it doesn't bother me. So the reason why I uh, wanted to do this episode was uh, I see people that deal with anxiety and depression all the time, and they feel like they're alone. Like I felt in that airplane drive uh, flying to my dad's uh, passing. Uh, like I felt in the hotel room. I felt like super, super alone. Like nobody gets me. Nobody understands what I'm going through right now. And then your mind starts to wander on all these things, but I'm telling you, you're not, there's other people out there that feel that same way. You, you have to, um, open yourself up to those you love, to those around you. You have to, uh, be vulnerable and tell them how you're feeling so they can help you. Um, I really wish I would have, uh, opened up in the past, uh, or more so when I was working at the jail, uh, with my family, um, on how I was feeling and not so much like hiding it. Um, because it's just a job, you know, there's other jobs out there. It's just not, it's just not for me. You know, I hear, I thought I, the job was for me and it wasn't, it's not the job not to get all, you know, crazy biblical on you. It's not the job God wanted me to do. He wanted me, he's just like, yep, you can have this job, but I'm telling you, it's not for you. Uh, I got other plans for you. And I think that's where I'm at right now, because right now, um, in my life, uh, I haven't been happier. This is like, even though I live in a, an apartment, you know, I, you know, don't have a glorious job, but that doesn't dictate happiness. You know, my family is what dictates happiness and my marriage hasn't been stronger. I mean, it's at the peak, you know, my daughter, she's getting good grades. You know, she has a lot of friends. Um, I'm surrounded by a lot of great people. I got my buddy, Brandon, I have Wilson, you know, I just, I feel like, uh, 
this is where I need to be. And it took a lot of hurdles to get there. And, you know, some people don't deal with the thing, same things I do. They don't have the same uh, story I do. And that's fine. But there's a lot of people that do. Um, and I just wanted to share that because I, I feel like that could help some people. Um, I don't, I don't, I hate having this episode be so sad and, and uh, somber, but uh, I felt like this was a good opportunity uh, to, to say it, to talk about it. And, you know, if anybody has any, um, you know, issues or uh, stuff, you know, the, you could always email us. I mean, most people that listen to the show know me as it is, uh, and you have my number, so you could just call me. But I just wanted everybody to know, like, uh, a little bit of my background on why I am the way I am, uh, why certain things uh, uh, affect me, why, why I there might be like a few things in like a few episodes where I, where I'll say certain things. And now you have a little bit more of a background on, uh, those situations. Um, so just they, I mean, it, you guys have no idea how long I've been wanting to just talk about this, uh, and just get it out there. It, it really does feel refreshing talking about it and getting it just out in the open. And it is one of the reasons why uh, Wilson and I started this podcast. And I said, hey, here's my goal. I want to have a funny show where we talk about stuff. Uh, we could test, b- taste beers and sodas and just be goofy, do like movie reviews. Well, but I also want to do a few things that hit hard because I feel like certain things need to be talked about that, that uh, get glossed over a lot. Cause I see too many people like, like I, I saw today, I saw a little boy crying and the mom says, stop crying. You're being a baby. I'm like, the, the, <laughs> like, how about you just say, Hey, what's, what's wrong? You know, I mean, granted she might've already said that, but it's like, I, I have witnessed people like, you know, it's like, suck it up, you know, talk to people. You, you don't know what someone kind of day someone's having. They could be having the worst day ever. They could have just got off of a flight you know, after watching their dad pass away, yeah, they may come off rude because they don't want to talk to you, but you don't know what their story is. You don't know what their uh, situation is. So thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, yeah, I'm, wow, I've talked for almost an hour. That's crazy. Um, but like I said, if you ever need to talk to someone, reach out those who those who love you, that are close to you, And, you know, if you don't have those people in your life, if you're not, um, you might have heard my wife in the living room. She's watching, she's having a girl's night. They're watching a movie right now. Uh, You you might have, uh, um, if you don't have those people in your life, family, friends that are close, that you're super, super close to, you just need an, sorry, I'm wiping my nose, coronavirus. Uh, You can always just reach out to, to me. I'm, that's kind of what I'm good at is, is listening, talking to people, um, may not have, um, any advice at the moment, but I'll be a good ear and I'll find advice for you. I'll, I'll search it for you. I'll, I'll take on that. I'll take that on for you. Uh, cause I have been through a lot and I feel like, you know, my story can help. And there's, there's other things too, but this is like the main thing. Everything else kind of piggybacks off of it. 
And uh, by the way, that story I said, I was going to bring it around to the end uh, when I went to the Scared Straight program in high school. Uh, that particular officer uh, or deputy uh, retired, I believe, last year. And I saw his name pop up on one of the Facebooks and they said, hey, congratulations to this uh, deputy for retiring. I'm like, oh, my gosh, is that the guy? That's the guy that, quote unquote, technically arrested me. And I'm like, that's him. And I, I posted on there that I wanted to thank him for what he did because I was leading a life of like I never led a life of drugs or alcohol but I was leading a life of anger and uh, just, uh, you know, I probably could have gotten a lot more trouble. And by what he did, uh, worked, and it changed me, and I, and I wanted to thank him. And then out of nowhere, I get a reply from a buddy of mine who says, hey, I know him personally. And I go, great, can you tell him uh, who I am and that it meant a lot and it changed my life? And he responded back to me and he said, uh, and I just, I, I, he's all, Hey, uh, I think it was like through Facebook messenger. And he said like, Hey, this is so-and-so. And I go, Hey, I just wanted to thank you. And I recap the situation. I had imagined he's had a lot of stuff that's happened in his career from, you know, 2000, when did I graduate? 99 or didn't graduate. Uh, when was my senior year? So 99 till now. So I'm like, I gave him a situation, told him a situation. I said, I just want to thank you, man. I'm all, I, I, you know, yeah, everybody always made fun of you at school. You know, no one wanted to talk to you. I'm all, but I'm telling you, dude, like you, you impacted my life. And I'm all, I was even able to, uh, you know, do a short, uh, you know, work, work for a little bit, you know, at a neighboring uh, agency. And I'm all, you impacted me. And he said that out of his entire career, out of all the medals he's got, that that thing meant the most to him. So there you go with like your validation. So just be kind to everybody. Let tell people how proud of them you are, and just uh, yeah, that's all I gotta say. Uh, so I don't even know how to end this show because it seems weird to end it with a Jobin. Uh, it's always weird not having Wilson here, but maybe I'll just end it with a Jobin. But Anyways, everybody, thanks for listening to me ramble on. Uh, I'm going to go eat dinner now. Uh, so, uh, laters on the Minjay, Jobin.